Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Food that's good for the environment, good for the people who eat it, and good for the people who grow it. They pick it so it's beautiful when it comes to market, and you get to enjoy that. Local businesses is the, the first place that we can directly support somebody. You've got to believe in what you do, and if you stick to that, then you're getting there anyway. G'day and welcome to another Quicksand Food Podcast. My name's Stefan Postuma. Today I speak with Daniel Shirley from Rookie Eatery in Wollongong. Daniel defines Rookie as a pan-Asian restaurant, taking inspiration and influence from all different types of Asian cuisine. He's got a fantastic menu there which changes frequently with the seasons. He sources some really interesting ingredients and has some really fantastic ballsy flavor combinations, something that I really like. I had a great chat with Dan. We talked a bit about how he developed as a chef and his transition into owning his own restaurant. We talk about some of the produce that he uses and how he puts together some of the great dishes that he contributed to the Illawarra Cookbook. Thanks for listening in and I hope that you enjoy this conversation with Daniel Shirley from Rookie Eatery in Wollongong. I started working next door at Lorenzo's and yeah. I've always wanted to do my own food in my yeah. own place. Um, we looked for a number of locations and it just happened that this old house came up. We knew the landlord fortunately and he mentioned to us it might be coming up soon and it all just sort of fell into place. Yeah. So the, I guess the price was right, location was good enough for us, it was the right size for me so around 55 seats is all I really wanted to start off with. We're just happy to go from there. Yeah. Mm. Is it like we're in a? It's a heritage listed it is house, heritage right? Listed, yeah. And it's it's interesting because you look at what's like what's happened up the road with all the development, and you know it, it'll continue further down the road. But this will this will always sort of be here. This Apparently, place, until right? it falls down, yeah. Um, yeah. Which could happen whenever, really. But um, we're excited that it sort of stood out on the street when yeah. we first moved in. I think council knocked down a tree that was out the front. And like it really opened it up, yep. so you could finally see the place. It was really yeah, hidden before that, for sure. Yeah, um, and it had been a Thai restaurant for like maybe ten years before we got it. And I love Thai food; that's yep. my inspiration. So I was kind of excited that keep the dream alive. Kind of, I guess. So, <laughs> you can say that. Um, is it is it challenging sometimes to have a space that's so old? Like, have you got stuff breaking and? Yeah, you know, bits and pieces well, having to fix a lot, or do you... well, things like wind. As you, it's cold today, as you've noticed. Mm-hmm. The wind will blow through the walls, basically. Yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> um, in summer, it doesn't really keep the heat out at all. It's got a tin roof, yeah. So we run a lot of air conditioning to keep up with that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maintaining gardens and you know, walls falling off the side of the outside of the house. Yeah, it's a bit of a challenge. It's pretty more, cool. More it's pretty I cool thought. that you can have a garden, though. Like you're cool. in the middle of bloody Wollongong and you've got space for a garden. Yeah, it is. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, it's more difficult this year than I imagined. It's been a bit yeah. colder. Yeah. But um, 
and getting on top of it. Yeah. What sort of stuff? What sort of stuff have you got in the garden usually? Oh, so we try to keep it to things we can use year round to start with, and we, we can maintain. Not something like we don't want to grow potatoes and carrots, although we have in the past. Yeah. But we just pull out and we have to start again. We want herbs and things that we can keep using. Yeah. Kaffir lime leaves, um, things that we can pick and use every day. Lemongrass. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, those sort of things. Right. Things that we use all the time. It's so handy to have that stuff at your disposal as well because it's always going to be fresh too. Like, oh, it's, it's, it, keeping herbs is a challenge. It can be. It is. It's yeah. awesome being able to run out during service. <laughs> yeah. And just yeah, run out of this or that and go grab it. So, we talked a little bit before, but you've sort of adapted, like adapted your menu a little bit from what you've started doing, and you're now cooking the food that you love the most, which is Southeast Asian food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well... How was that sort of development and why did you decide to to go down this route when it comes to your menu? Um, well, I've always... Well, we started off... I remember one of my first dishes was a green mango salad with prawns. But we, I guess we drifted into a more contemporary sort of stock standard sort of thing Yeah. Um, for at least a year and a half. I kind of thought that was where I needed to go rather than where I wanted to go. And... Um, I think we just the, the what would you say the switch flipped this year yeah and i just said no i want to do what i want to do and um i've labeled it pan asian because we do incorporate a bit more than just southeast asian yeah okay um i don't really want to lock myself down too much no but i do like a few japanese flavors here and there that's good i mean it's good to be able to have the opportunity to use ingredients from other other places yeah whatever um, it might be it's sort of like the tuna dish like it was a very Thai dish like a month ago but this month it's a little bit more Japanese in its influence mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just what I want to cook really yeah and um, those bold Asian flavours are where my palate is yeah awesome do you change the menu every month um, so we can change like a dish daily really sometimes yep. like it just depends on availability of produce um, how we feel like sometimes like at the moment the fish dish we're running currently, everyone's, it's it's like two months old and everyone's saying they love it, but yeah. I'm so over it. So Which one? The snapper? The snapper. Yeah. You didn't actually see that one today. Yeah. You got the new one that's coming. Oh, okay. It's going to be on this week. Yeah. Um, it's pretty similar, but I just need to change it because myself, yeah, I well, can't, you need to I can't bear to look at it anymore. <laughs> that's funny. Um, so... Pan Asian food, and then so lots of like big bold Asian flavors, like you say. And how, like how is how have your customers responded to to the change? Well, I think to start with, we we may have alienated a few here and there, but um, on the whole, I think we're doing pretty well out of it. Um, yeah. A lot of people are loving it. I think, yeah, a lot of people love that bold flavors. Yeah. Um, big flavors and things done well they might have eaten at other places like we did have Thai fish cakes on the menu at the start of the year and you know everyone's had Thai fish cakes mm. but the when they're done properly they're, they're special yeah totally what do you what do you do different with your Thai fish cakes you might um, well we use good quality fish to start with we don't buy them frozen from somewhere sure yeah um, we make them ourselves make the red curry paste that goes into them we don't hold back on things like kaffir lime leaves in them and they're made fresh daily. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, di- like, 
was there was there a, a experience that you had in your career or like what drew you to Asian food originally? Well, when I started cooking with Lorenzo, um, he was at the time cooking a lot of Thai food and that's where I was first introduced to the methods and the flavors and how to do things properly. Um, and then from there, I, I kind of learned about the existence of someone called David Thompson mm-hmm. and went and picked up his book and I'm still trying to get to the end of it. Yep. It's just... Um, it's like the Thai, the Thai food Bible for yeah, pretty much anyone is. who... Like we, yeah. we refer to it daily here. Um, some of the recipes in there are you know, beyond me at the moment, but maybe we'll get there one day. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it's... I don't really know what to say. Yeah. But it's... Do you, do you, do you find that... To be able to use such fragrant, you know, things like chili and lemongrass and kaffir lime stuff with big flavors, is it? Does it keep you excited in the kitchen in a way? Is that is that something that's cool? It's like you can well, constantly play with balances and different ingredients and stuff, and always yeah. deliver something that has a lot of flavor. I kind of when you say that, I think of like I make the massaman curry every week here, yep. but every week it's slightly different, even though we do the same recipe, mm-hmm. and it's always just trying to find that balance with it but then again like every day we go pick up new cafe lime leaves from the Asian store next door and some days you're just blowing away the quality of them Mm -hmm. and every day like you're chopping them up and the smells and the vibrancy of the colours in the food yeah it it sticks with you it's something that you know it gets me excited about what I'm doing is there any like for a long time Thai food particularly but you know a lot of Asian food was considered cheap cheap takeaway or or you know something that you'd have on a weekly basis because it's affordable and easy to access is it challenging in a, in a way to try to deliver a cuisine that people might be familiar with or dishes like a musaman curry that people might be familiar with but on a higher level than what they're they're used to like and 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 try to sort of show them why what you do is different to your local tie down the road that's probably what stopped me from doing this straight away yeah that 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 thought in particular and i still do think about it all the time like why are they going to pay more for fish cakes here than they do when they are down the road and do they care that they're better yeah. even if i think they're better or whatever but um it is a challenge but i think when people come in i mean we try to sell it as a banquet so they do get the whole variety of food okay and they all fit together as one meal um, I think that way it really fits in and people see the value in it yep. um, not about sending people home hungry we always want people to go home having eaten too much really mm. gluttony is still a thing mm. yeah and it's I mean the cool thing about banquet style like you, you see a lot of uh, quite high level restaurants these days that do share food or whatever it might be with a like a feed me option or whatever it is so people can run the whole menu but it's built into Asia, a lot of Asian cuisines is, is to just run a whole menu anyway and share everything because that's just how you do it it's the way it's designed I guess and yeah. some of our dishes may fall out of that realm a little bit but I guess going back to what you said earlier about why I didn't do this initially was a lot of my dishes were shared but then a lot of people would order them individually and it was always a hassle to try to create a dish that would do both yeah um 
it just fits in perfectly. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a worry. We just create the dish as it's meant to be. Yeah. And that's how it's served. Do you how do you go with pairing wine and stuff with Asian food and, and trying to sort of like educate a customer on what they're gonna drink with with some of the flavours that you got going on? It's 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 difficult. Um, a lot of our customers still do like their Sav Blanc and Shiraz. It's a, what they know best and what they've grown up with and that's a standard sort of thing but we do work closely with our um, our wine supplier Um, we have one wine supplier and he supplies us with absolutely everything and he just works with us so we do the best we can we have a few there that match really well with um, wine but they are different wines as well Um, not something that everyone will go for Mm. I I guess you just have to so you can do you you can vary your wine list in the sense that you can provide some stuff where you can tell your front of house team to go out and and say this will pair really well with some of the flavors that you're going to have tonight, but then you're also you, you got to have your Shirazes and your Sablons there that people are going to go to because that's what You've they drink every the time. You got to meet yeah. the market halfway. Yeah, exactly. And I, I'm not a huge like I do know food and wine do match, but not every day of the week. You don't need to go that far. I don't yeah. think. Sometimes yeah, it's, it's just a casual meal on a Wednesday night and yeah. you just want a cheap bottle of red yeah. and sit down and have your steak, I guess. That's it. How do you go How do you go about developing a new menu? Like you've got, you know, you, call, you, you say pan-Asian, which can mean a lot of things, which means you've got so much, so many ingredients, techniques, things to draw from, seasonal produce and stuff. How do you, how do you start developing developing a menu a new menu well seasonality is the first one Um, so right now we have to have tuna on the menu because tuna's running Mm -hmm. Um, it's really fatty it's just delicious this time of year yeah Um, it's a matter of working in a dish that works in this freezing cold weather we're stuck in right now Mm -hmm. Um, the rest of it we're always just kind of working on new dishes so there won't be one day where we change for the season or for a new menu we normally slowly change so we'll do one dish at a time and that could happen every week mm-hmm. so it could be it could be any, even every day so it could be you know two weeks later you could have a new menu without realising mm-hmm. and so it's just about developing each dish as you see fit as what's available to yeah, you yeah and a lot of dishes just grow and evolve as they as they sit there yeah um, they might start out simple and become more complex as I sit there get bored with it or take feedback from customers mm. And then things like um, one of the dishes you gave us for the book, the beetle leaf dish. It's something that you, it's something that's very adaptable. Like the concept of it's the same. It's something that people share at the table and they eat with their hands, and um, it's like a snack. It's not a, mm-hmm. it's not a, a main. Um, but you can you can chop and change what's in there, you know, regularly. Aren't no, it's easy. Like we did do a prawn and pomelo one a few weeks ago. We've just turned into the lobster and pork one at the moment. Yeah. Um, we do have vegetarian ones on the menu that have eggplant, and we recently did a vegetarian green mango one as well. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So do you want to tell us a bit more about the pork and lobster one that you gave to us? You've got those two proteins, but what are some of the flavors in the filling? So in the filling, you've oh, the, the filling takes a while to get together. So there's a little paste that's made up with um, chili, coriander roots, fish, uh, fish sauce, shrimp paste, palm sugar and tamarind and that gives you like your sweet and salty sort of base um, kind of pungent and fishy on its own 
but it gets mixed through julienne ginger kaffir lime chili fresh coconut that we've grated up um, peanuts crispy shallots raw onions and some coriander and all those things together give that you get that deep richness and fishiness but and then to that pretty much you can add whatever at the end of the day uh, at the moment it is lobster and um, pork and so the pork is really crispy you get a nice crunch from it mm. and the lobster gives you that sweet fishiness I guess mm. best way to describe it um, lots of like contrasts in flavour and um, texture in there is probably the biggest one awesome that um the paste that you that you talk about is sort of like so many so many fantastic ingredients and it's about putting in putting in the effort to make something like that that really sets your food apart it's like what we were talking about before the difference between a you know just a, a casual asian place and a, and and a place that does stuff on a bit of a higher level to incorporate all those ingredients like grate your fresh coconut just to go in there i mean there's yeah. people that wouldn't bother i mean it, it is it is an effort but i don't think it's worth having it if you haven't put that sort of effort into it yeah um it works well with our menu at the moment yeah. it's a great way to start the whole menu so on our menu three as we call it um people start with the betel leaves and they have another couple of snacks on there as well some smoked trout and some maho pork and prawn yeah um on some pineapple but it's just a great way to start the night yeah still talking eating with your hands um haven't really started your meal yet it might be so is is betel leaf sort of unfamiliar to a fair few of your customers still i'd say so um i mean just up at the Asian store up the road, they still don't know what I'm talking about when I ask for them. Really? They still say that. They shake their head at me. <laughs> they might have another name for it, but they're not always familiar with it. Um, a lot of our customers, we have to, we do still have to explain that you are to eat the leaf as well. Like I've seen people use knife and fork. Oh, uh, okay. It's just, they don't know, I guess. Yeah, it's cool. It's a, it's an awesome ingredient and I love anything that you can, you know, wrap up in a little parcel and and eat with your hands yeah like I've toyed with the idea of doing a whole menu that way yeah I don't know how it'd be taken but how we'll what, what are some of the other sorts of things you'd think about doing that? like I guess you could do sort of yeah so for some of the things we experimented with were like we have the Massaman curry dish on the moment someone slightly overcooked the chicken a little while ago um, we steamed iceberg lettuce and wrapped the curry inside mm-hmm. it um, and you can just pick it up and eat it yep um, a few of the other things we had on there well, you've got your bows that you can use, it. obviously. Yeah, we got our bows. We had and about 12 items we were thinking about. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a cool concept not to have to sit down with knives and forks and like more of a casual meal, but still get your whole variety of 12 different things you're going to taste yeah. throughout the night. Would that, was that an idea for like a special dinner or to try out a menu that's like... I, I particularly would like to try a menu out with it. Yeah? Um, it's one of those things, again, going back to where we started about... I guess growing the balls and doing it yeah. at some point. Do you reckon? You, do you reckon you'll do it? I'm thinking about it. Yeah, this conversation is encouraging. Yeah, me. <laughs> I reckon it's a great idea. I love that. Um, it it gives you an opportunity to experiment in the sense that if you've if you've created this rule for yourself, we're not we're not going to give anyone forks or knives. Then you've got to think about okay, well, I want to make a prawn dish or I want to make a squid dish or whatever it might be. And you've got to think about a way to make it, not only eat it with your hands, but you can't wrap everything in lettuce. No. You know, you can't put everything on a skewer. So you've got to think about cool and interesting ways. And I think the other cool thing about it is that it will create 
a talking point and a fun atmosphere in the dining room. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's one thing we've always aimed for is to keep it a little bit casual in here, um, not to be like a stuffy fine diner. Mm-hmm. I want people to enjoy themselves and. You can, when the place is busy, it hums. Yes. There's, there's a good vibe in here. That's good. Um, let's talk about the chicken and scallop dish that you gave us for the book as well. Do you want to tell us a bit more about that? Um, well, I've always thought it is a surf and turf dish, I guess, to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, scallops, the sweetness of the scallops and the chicken go really well together. Particularly, like, we do sous vide the chicken. Um, and so it is soft, kind of melt in your mouth. So the, the two of them go really well together, I think. Um, and it was just me with the kombu butter. I was toying around with trying to get this kombu butter right. It's got to be at least a year now. Really? Yeah, and finally we found the right ingredients and just... So how just, do you put that together? Um, basically, we had to find the right kombu to put in it. Right. And we found um, a kombu-infused soy sauce as well. So that's uh-huh. with the salt. Yeah. It's got a little bit of sweetness in that as well. Um two of them again together and a bit of miso blended with some butter so at the end of the day it was really simple it was about finding the right ingredients that's interesting it's interesting that you'll have to just keep trying different kombus just to get the right one yeah and when we when we nailed it we knew straight away that was yeah. the right one and so what like for people that have are unfamiliar with using things like kombu like what does kombu do for for an ingredient like a kombu butter um I guess you go back to the umami experience, um, being that that flavour profile and same sort of thing you might get from mushrooms if you're unfamiliar with it, or MSG might be another way of finding that flavour. It's it's a a different savoury flavour to what people are used to um, in Western culture, I guess. Um, And then, like, to start with, a lot of people might find it a little bit confronting. But it does grow on you pretty quickly. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that, that was actually really nice and mm. kind of Moorish at the same time. Totally. I feel like it's something that definitely grows on you. Mm. Um, I guess it's yeah. the an initial shock of not having tasted something like that. Yeah. When you're like, oh. Yeah. Do you... um looking at, looking at food in Wollongong, like we're putting this book together about food in Wollongong, trying to feature some of the best restaurants and cafes and bars and things like that. Have you noticed... Have you noticed food culture? Like you've been in, in the game in Wollongong for a long time now. How long have you been a chef well, in Wollongong? I started cooking when I finished school is when I pretty much started. So 2003 Yeah, is when I started my apprenticeship. Um, I think, is that right? Yeah. yeah, so close to 15 years. Yeah. Have you um, have you seen it? Have you seen the, the food culture and stuff develop? Like is there... Like, it seems to me that it's been the last, you know, few years. Well, I'd say it was slowly developing for a while, but in the last two years in particular, is taken off. Yeah. The cafe culture's massive at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, some would say there's too many cafes, maybe. But with the amount of buildings going up, who knows? Yeah. Um, and that sort of mid-level tier of food is really taking off. Mm. Um yeah it's grown exponentially like since I opened we've been open almost three years um, we opened with a lot less competition I'd say yeah okay yeah and th- th- things have changed a lot yeah I guess do you, do you what, what do you 
attribute that to? Do you do you think what sort of reason can you see? Do you think people are just more engaged with food? People go out more. You know, there's more people living here than from well, Sydney. I think that well, I have heard people saying that there are at least a thousand people moving here a week. Jesus, I, I don't know if there's any truth <laughs> to that. Like, I don't see them personally, but there obviously are. I mean, there's a lot of buildings going up. There's more people around. Um, more people are interested in eating quality food at a reasonable price as well. Yeah, people like they do know better these days, and they know when they're getting ripped off. Yeah, and they they want something different if they're going to spend money. Yeah, is that is that hard to to balance when you price your menu? Is to like you know just to think about the time and effort and the cost of ingredients and all that sort of stuff, but also deliver it at a at a price that people are going to be happy to pay that they don't feel like they're going to get ripped off. It is difficult. Um, I mean, everything, if you were to price everything accordingly to wages and yeah. whatever else it might be, their prices would be a lot higher, but you, you can't do that. You have to be fair. I mean, you, you you price it where you can in your part of the market, I guess. That's the best way of looking at it. Do you think, like... Do you think it's, a, it's tough for restaurateurs, though, because, like... I mean, for years... If you go to a restaurant and a main's 40 bucks, that's an expensive main. You know, yeah. like people consider it an expensive main, but the customer doesn't a lot of the time realize that the cost the costs for the for the restaurant go up all the time. Like they can't yeah. just keep everything under 40 bucks forever. No. Like <laughs> you can't and every, I guess it's one of those things people need to eat but they don't really want to pay more for it. Mm. Um I mean, our, our prices increase a lot. Like, electricity just gone up $4,000 a year pretty much for us. Exactly. That's not something I can just pass on either. I mean, people have an expectation of what they're going to pay. Yeah. Um, in a, a restaurant like this where the amount of customers we do put through the door, it's it's hard to absorb things like that. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, I, even, even myself, I know when I go out, I st- I'm, I'm the same. Yeah. To an extent. Like, I know things cost money, but... You're still comparing to other places. Yeah, but do you, like, it seems to me almost unsustainable in a sense because I feel like there's there's not as much understanding from customers that that they that, that just you know some places are doing it tough. There's there's cafes out there that they do a really good product, their service is good, and you know their coffee is good and all the rest of it, and you know like maybe they're not the best business people whatever it is the reasons that their business might fail but at the same time like if someone if, you, if you're trying to do really good coffee and you sell it for 450 or, or 50 cents more than people are used to paying for it and people don't i don't know like it, it seems like there's not a, not enough understanding at times from from the public that stuff costs more because it's better and because just the price of stuff goes up coffees aren't always going to be three dollars no it's hard to explain to the customer that when they buy chicken for example in this restaurant that they're not really just paying for the chicken mm. the chicken's probably the smallest part of the cost of what they're getting mm. um, the waitress serving them you know the guy at the back washing their plate costs money you know just their glasses that they're drinking out of cost money for us to one have here and then get washed for them and bring them back these things are the larger costs to our business mm. running the aircon so they're warm it, it costs money and um, you yeah. know fact that we serve your chicken is not uh, that's probably not the, our biggest cost here yeah totally. Wa- wages are definitely a biggest cost yeah and they're forever increasing yeah there's nothing we can do about that every, every everyone wants to get paid more that's fair enough too 
Yeah. And um, I think restaurants are stuck at the the hard part of the market with that because food being a necessity is something you have to eat and all. Yeah. You can't really live without it. And it's, it, it's tough. It is tough. It's tough. And it's you, tough. You, know, you would just like people at some point to, to understand that the food on their plate is not the whole reason for why it's costed that way. Yeah. And like having worked in hospitality for a long time myself, I see how bloody hard people work in their in their jobs and I don't know I don't know if there's a perception from the public that they think that if you own a restaurant you're, all, you're like you're automatically a millionaire like you're automatically making heaps of money and if if you're a head chef because head chef at key is a rock star and there's Heston who's a rock star and stuff that means that all head chefs like earn heaps of money but yourself and you know chefs and front of house managers and and whatever putting in you know way more way more hours a week than your average joe mm. and also working friday nights saturday nights 100 percent of the time so like you can forget about going to weddings sometimes because you got to work and i'm sure you've missed yeah, a few missed a lot, yeah. yeah exactly um you know and Still, like, there's no understanding from the public. I, I don't know. I just feel like there's, there's got to be some way of educating people to, to just, yeah. I don't know. It's I don't I don't think it's exclusive to the restaurant industry. I think it might apply to all small business owners. Whereas, the perception is that they own a business that they're pretty much rich. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not always true, but um, yeah. It's just the way it is, really. You just yeah. come to accept it. I mean, we love what we do. Yeah, well, that's Being the thing. Here every day, we, we we know personally, and we're happy with that. Yeah, that's the thing that gets a lot of people over the line is the passion for what you do and 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 loving it. Yeah, I think you have to be happy with yourself, happy with everything else in your life, and accept things for what they are. Yeah, don't go into a restaurant planning on being a millionaire. Yeah, because not there's not that many expectations a bit high, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, it translates to something. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I see. I see I can't how see I... it happening I've, in the in the short term. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's sort of like I always think back to when GST came in, and like I can just remember that. I'm not not that old, but I remember when it happened, and I I think like restaurant prices are ten percent higher, and that's included in your evaluation of how expensive my restaurant is. Yeah. Um, which I think is like kind of unfortunate. Yeah. Because we obviously charge what we charge plus ten percent that we give away straight away to the government. Yeah. For whatever, like that's the way the world works. But I would like the price to be reflected in what we charge. Yeah. People don't. People forget about the old GST, don't they? Yeah. Well. <laughs> It's understandable. It is just what you pay, and you pay it everywhere you go as well. Yeah. But yeah, they think you might. I guess at some point in time, like they think you take the whole lot home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You can. I mean, if you spend a hundred bucks, you can. You can just say you're not. You're definitely not taking a hundred home. That's for sure. (laughs) Um, I wanted to talk about seafood and like local seafood, like the South Coast, the Illawarra, and we've got such awesome awesome seafood I mean as you said the tuna's running at the moment mm-hmm. it's, it's just 
fatty and absolutely delicious. I want to go through a few things to like for people about cooking seafood and how to get the best out of it. So like your tips on choosing seafood and cooking Mm -hmm. it. So, I mean, number one for me anyway, like it's important to get it fresh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely getting fresh seafood. And part of that I would say firstly is having a relationship with your seafood supplier. Yeah. Um, not going to Coles, for example. Yeah, I don't think that's great for the industry. Yeah, shopping at larger commercial places like that. Um, we do a lot of our sourcing of seafood through Harley and John or Better Choice Fish. Um, and I have a great relationship with the buyer at Better Choice, um, and also with our grand out at Harley and John. Um, so at any time, I can ask them what will be coming through what they can get their hands on and they also know they need to buy for me as well so specifically they look for what I might use yep. and what is fresh at the time cool and then, and for a like a person like someone at home as well don't go to Coles go to a, go to a, a fish market and ask them what's fresh yeah like if you were in the Illawarra like we are at the moment um, and you were to go to a local seafood place you should be able to pick up the freshest Miradori that is you, you'll see like it's running fresh it's getting caught locally um, comes into Wollongong Harbour um, there should be tons of it around and it yeah. should be probably the fresh, freshest fish you can buy mm. um, but it's about being, talking to people it's about, about it's it. about talking to people and using people that are using fresh seafood as well um, knowing your supplier and asking him I mean actually bothering to ask the question when you get there as well not just looking at the counter and saying oh there's um barramundi there i know i know what barramundi is i'm going to get barramundi mm. you, you can ask him what is nice i want a white flesh fish kind of sweet and flavor um and they'll help you out yeah so the second thing and this sort of obviously relates to the first one as well if you do go to a um a fish market or whatever and you say i want some miradori or what? Or, or, or no, you ask them what's fresh, and they tell you what's fresh, and then they give you something. It's also sort of important. Well, it has been for me. It's like you don't you, you don't have to just pan fry every every piece of fish that you get. Like there's optimal ways to cook different fish. So mm-hmm. would that be another tip for you? Something to think about? Yeah, I mean, even there are different ways of cooking different fish. At the moment, we have snapper on the menu. Um, I find the snapper that we have is best steamed. It cooks a lot more evenly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've had other types of snapper that are great pan fried. But then again, in that whole conversation, you could say that if it was cut differently or you were cooking it whole, there's then another way of cooking it. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the dory fillers we were talking about, if you were to cook the fish whole, I would say the best way to cook it would probably be to, to roast it. Yeah. Um, but if you had just to fill it, then I would say you'd probably be best off quickly pan frying it mm-hmm. um, really quickly and getting it out before it's even finished to let it finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an important thing is letting stuff finish off the heat. Yeah. It's it's not cooked. Once it's in- heat, you're cooking it with a high temperature in a pan, 200 plus degrees, like that's still penetrating five minutes later once you've taken it out of the pan. Yeah. You give it some time to get through there and... You, you'll get there it'll be delicious so that's a tip for some people as well is to like before it looks cooked take it off yeah yeah you can always put it back in yeah exactly yeah 
Um, another tip. So, like what you pair stuff with and how you serve it. So, I don't know. I was thinking about like, you know, different fish. Yeah, once again, different fish lend themselves to different techniques. But I love eating things like oily fish like sardines or mackerel or something like that with some with some toast or just like really simply or like you say like a, a delicate fish like a, a snapper or flounder or whatever it might be might be a steaming fish but it's sort of like you've got to think about how you're going to serve it as well like the and first be a bit thing experimental. I, as soon as you said that I thought well you were talking about oily fish I was thinking of um, pickled onions for yeah, some okay. reason straight away just that pickled onions just to cut straight through it um, and then when we talk about steamed fish, like right now we have a ginger scallion sauce um, that we're serving with it. It's a really easy recipe to make and it just balances well with the soft steamed fish. Yeah. But then if I was going to pan fry that fish, I definitely wouldn't have that sauce with it. I'd want something more robust. Or even if I was to deep fry it, I might choose a black bean sauce or I've done like a lobster bisque with it in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, d- different styles of cooking will lend themselves to different flavors that you serve them with, yeah. um, and it changes the fish totally in flavor as well. I mean, steaming a snapper, it's really clean, it's really soft, um, and you really get the f- the flavor of the fish. But if you were to pan fry it, you start to develop more caramelized flavors and the flavors of the butter and things you've added to the pan, which are also nice, but it changes the the fish entirely. Mm. Yeah, I think that's important. I think people get I don't know. It depends on what level you're at and how much you want to make an effort. But people are very, you know, through the week, they don't have heaps of time. So they'll just buy a salmon fillet and pan fry it or put it in the grill or put it under the grill or whatever it might be. But it's also worth having a think about just doing something a little bit differently. Like if you do end up with some mackerel or something like that, then yeah, like you say, pickled onions or something that's going to cut through there the the two contrasts the the crunch for one and then the 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 pickle I mean the two just work perfectly beautiful yeah Mm. we used to have a dish um, at this restaurant that I worked at and it was such a good it was pickled pickled mackerel pickled blue mackerel yeah with like on brioche with was it no I think it was just grilled I think it was grilled um, blue mackerel on brioche with pickled yeah pickled echelots and mahama like um the spanish dried tuna salted mm-hmm. salted dried yeah, tuna no, i've never used it i don't know such a, well we used to make it like you just salt down tuna and dry it out and then keep it in the fridge and like microplane it over okay. the top yeah cool and it was so good such a good balance like oily fish brioche pickled onions and like salty sort of this tuna I won't even use this for the interview but I just wanted to tell you that <laughs> it was yeah, a good dish yeah that's cool yeah I've never heard of um, yeah. that tuna before yeah Mahama Spanish Mahama I'll look it up yeah um anything else cooking seafood wise what else what else can you tell people things I one thing that people also a lot of the time people were scared to venture into things like whole large octopus or like fresh scallops that they have to shuck themselves even shucking their own oysters or eating something like cuttlefish Mm. Um, I reckon there's a a world out there of seafood that people are unfamiliar with people go to their snappers and their salmons and their kingfish snappers salmons I think there's way too much salmon sold in this country yeah Um, there's nothing wrong with it I just think it's a bit boring after a while Mm. Um, if you just take the time to look through the the fish shop when you're there and use a def, decent fishmonger 
I mean, today I was out there this morning and he had fresh redfish on the counter. Um, fresh locally caught snapper. I mean, like we just said, it's a standard fish, but it, you know, it was, it looked amazing. That's why I thought of it. Um, the river trouts that he had there, the rainbow little rainbow trouts, I mean, they're delicious roasted whole. Mm-hmm. Um, there's endless amount of fish there. Mm. Even like some of the cheaper fishes, like, like a leather jacket. Leather jackets can be delicious. I mean, they have to be fresh, but they're great when they're fresh. Yeah. Um, he had some ling fillets. Um, but even just like changing it up, like they should be trying to push, instead of you buying expensive flathead, which is through the roof all the time, latchet fillets and things like this. Yeah. Like Gurnard even. Like Gurnard's similar, a good one. Sometimes even better when they're fresh. Yeah. And they do exactly the same job. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if, if you're unfamiliar with it, you can probably no better person to ask of how to cook something is the fishmonger themselves yeah. like if you've got red mullet you, how do you cook they say make a soup or you know do, do this with it or whatever it might be you know if you're buying something that you're unfamiliar with it's about talking to people hey it is it is about talking to people but also just having that inspiration just to go home and make something different I mean sometimes it's not going to be that hard to just pick up little bits and pieces from the fishmonger and make a small curry or soup with it. Yep. Um, it's it's easy, and the seafood makes the soup itself. Like your soup itself does not have to be fantastic. Once you've added your mussels to it and your fish, it it's full of flavour. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, is there anything else that you want to talk about about the restaurant? About I don't know. We've already talked about trying out a menu where you you don't give anyone cutlery. Um, anything else you want to talk about? No, I don't think so. No? Not that I can think of off the top of my head. Cool. But you're like, at this stage, you're happy doing your thing with, you know, Asian food. Yeah. And just continuing continuing love. down the path. Like, I'm really finding, I think I found a bit more of my groove and working towards finding a real direction for the restaurant and the style of food we do. Yeah. Um, I'm quite happy with where we're heading at the moment. Um, just about me learning every day and trying to pass it on to the rest of my staff mm-hmm. so we can all be involved in trying to evolve the type of food we do yeah um, yeah it's taken me a little while but I've come to the realisation we need to really have a good team behind me that yeah. work with me and are on the same wavelength yep it can't just be me doing it all on my own mm-hmm. it's, it's a waste of time at some points I think that's um something that I found in hospitality was when you have the respect of the people above you, whether it's your managers, your head chef, your you know your owners or whatever, and they look to you for help and advice and and that sort of thing is when you definitely get the best out of your staff. Yeah, yeah. we've got a good click going on at the moment. Um, I'm able to first time in a while bounce ideas around the kitchen and get good feedback and vice versa with them. Yeah, and the menus developing quickly as a result and it's when we're all switched on in the kitchen like that where we will see the menu change like dishes changing daily front of house manager hates it because she has to retype the menu every day but <laughs> right, that's part of the job <laughs> yeah yeah all right love it thanks very much Daniel. thank you thank Done. you thanks for listening to my chat with daniel shirley from rookie eatery in wollongong 
Hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you want to find out more about what they do, you can catch them online at rookieeatery.com.au. If you want to find out more about us, you can find us online at quicksandfood.com or you can find us on social media at quicksandfood. Get out there and get the book. The Illawarra Cookbook is available at our website, quicksandfood.com or at all good Illawarra retailers. Thank you for joining us for this episode and we'll catch you again with the next one. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.